Welcome to the Influential Nonprofit, the show for nonprofit leaders to grow their influence so they can grow their income and impact. Now, here's your host, Marianne Dersh. All right, welcome to another episode of the Influential Nonprofit. I am your host, Mary Andersh. I work with nonprofit leaders to master the art of influence so they can ask for and receive all they want, need, and deserve, and that includes you. And I help people do it without feeling rejective, ineffective, or pushy, because who wants to feel like that? And I'm with Nick Lynch today of Kaleidoscope, and we are going to talk about partnerships with influencers and growing our influence on social media. Is that right? And is this the right question? the right thing we're talking about yeah i mean if we're talking about influence and influential people we got to talk about influencers right yes for sure and i think this is an area that is not i think it's a new area for nonprofits to explore these kinds of partnerships so this is really cool i like things that are new and different and really effective and so let me just introduce you nick really quick and then i'm going to roll into my first question so you right. spent your professional year building mm-hmm. solutions for brands to better identify and target their audience online. Awesome. And then what I'm hearing is that when COVID hits, so we all have a COVID story, right? I have a COVID, like we like, how did our business pivot during COVID? And you <laughs> yeah. suddenly forced um, nonprofits into the di- COVID forced nonprofits into the digital space. And you were like, hey, let's create this company to help them do that. So I love that because I my COVID story is like I was working with organizations on messaging while and during doing this messaging, I'm trying to like reverse engineer some of these interpersonal skills into the marketing and messaging because what I was seeing people weren't doing was why they weren't communicating effectively wasn't that they didn't have a good tagline. It was about the internal dynamics and their inability to communicate effectively internally. And so during COVID, I was like, why don't I just teach people exactly what I think would really help them instead of trying to like shove it into these other things. And so I made a big shift more to like personal development, personal growth and coaching. And it's been like, I love it. And I'm moving some needles. So I love that you were like, Hey, let me shift to something that I think can really help people. So I'm super happy for that. And before we get into that, I want to ask you a question because I asked, this is everybody's first question. So tell me something that you're proud of that you don't get to brag about a lot. It's well, there's good characterization, first of all. So thank you. It's a great question. And I probably, this is the answer that I would probably have answered before I started Kaleidoscope, but I think it's important is that because it's the story, it's really like the bedrock of why we're here is that I am a cancer survivor. I'm a -a make-a-wish kid. And so I am super proud of being a part of that experience and in using it to for good for social impact and it's really was the genesis of all of this right i mean i you know, i've been i was a make i am a make a wish kid i've been a part of the make a wish organization since they sent me to disneyland disneyland when i was 3 i've been a part of their organization here in los angeles for 7 years on their advisory council and so if i had not seen the internal sort of like panic and struggle that the organization sort of here had at the beginning of COVID about not being able to do in-person events, I don't necessarily know if I would have been able to connect the professional side of my sort of life over the last 16 years of digital marketing and, and advertising technology and impact together. But I'm glad that it is it happened and I'm glad yeah. I'm here. And I think that's what I'm most proud of is, is being able to use that experience to really help and really, really make 
organizations use the tools and opportunities available for them to, to propel forward. Wow. And so young like that, you know, that's when our brains develop like zero to seven. So that was a really foundational experience for you, huh? Like in your life. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 100%. I mean, I, it's funny because when nobody, mostly for the most part, people who have known me my entire life actually don't even necessarily even know I was a cancer survivor. Or I had cancer. It's never been a part of like the, oh, like, you know, poor me right. or I had this, right. right? It's like, never like, been like, this external identity where people know you as that. Exactly. 100%. But when I think about it, the, the, I look at it sort of in two ways, some healthy, some not, but one way is that like, I'm still here for a reason. I survived that. So like, I think I can kind of survive anything and I, I have a, pur- I a real purpose to do something, but also in that, that part of my life, is actually eclipsed by the make the wish itself. And I actually think about the wish and the power of that and my time at Disneyland from getting picked up into a limo to making phone calls in that limo because it was the 80s. So everybody like was all about the limos. That was the so phone. cool. Uh, you know, right? Yeah, right. That you was like the coolest thing ever. From your car. <laughs> yeah, imagine that, right? And it's all those things. So like for me, it was super foundational, but I look at it as less as about a reason for why things haven't worked or don't work, but more of a reason for why I need to make them work, right? Yeah, gotcha. So that's so interesting because like, I mean, we're all part, a product of these early experiences. Like my story is I was like a later in life child. You know, I'm like seven years younger than my siblings who were all like, and then me. And I always sort of like felt left out and left behind. And I, and then I realized, and that made me very empathetic. And I've always, you know, gravitated towards the left out, the left behind, you know what I mean? The ones who don't quite fit in, because that's how I felt like, and then literally built a business on it. So it's not like I, like you, like, I don't walk around being like, oh, I'm a later in life baby. It just informs a lot of who I am. And now I'm like, and one of the things that I do, that's a kind of a superpower of mine is like, I'm a master of inclusion because I knew what it felt like to be left out and not intentionally, like my family loves me, <laughs> But when you're little, you, when I was little, my nickname was Michelob because, because their tagline at the time was the unexpected pleasure. So my family <laughs> called me, Michelob. I was like, fi- I didn't get the joy. I was like, wait, I sure. was an accident, you know, like, oh, yeah. but then, but like you, I went from, and this just happened like in my fifties, cause I'm, I'll be 57 mm-hmm. in January. Like in my early fifties, I realized, oh my God, I'm not a mistake. I'm a flipping miracle. Right. And like, do you know what had to come together to put me on this earth? And like you, like, yep. you're not like, it, you're a miracle. Like, oh my God, I was meant to be here. There's some things that I'm being called in to do because of that. But that took a lot. That shift did not happen for me quickly. <laughs> that was a sure. little bit moving. But then once it landed, I'm like, got it in. All right. So let's just talk about a little bit more about the nonprofit and how you help them. And I want to, so you work with influencers to identify partnerships and some of those partnerships can be nonprofits, right? So why don't you just give me a little bit of overview of what that looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, going into this th- almost three years ago now, I knew that brands were spending billions of dollars in sort of impact marketing, cause marketing, obviously philanthropy, sort of CSR, ESG, all the acronyms that they kind of use now. But I also knew... 
That so what are what needed. are those acronyms? You might unpack those acronyms real quick for people. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, on the corporate side, you hear a lot about CSR or corporate social responsibility, which is a you know usually a it's it's a practice that has been leveraged by corporations for decades, and it's yes. really a, their their human resources program that helps sort of um, you know obviously underlying every corporation wants to be a good corporate citizen, but it also is really about empowering and engaging and retaining and acquiring their talent, right? So, you know, those CSR, corporate social responsibility programs have a lot to do with, you know, communicating the good that a corporation is doing. ESG is a more rel- uh, recent acronym. It stands for environmental, social, and governance, kind of on the same lines of corporate social responsibility. It's sort of a kind of a step up and it's mostly a financial sort of term that a lot of investors look at public markets and see like how well is Coca-Cola at being a good environmental steward or on social issues in terms of, you know, maybe mental health or diversity, equity, inclusion. How is their governance of their company? Are they transparent? Do they have equity on the board? Those types of things, right? And so that's sort of one of the latest acronyms. And so all of that to be said, you know, a lot of money are being spent by these large corporations and brands. And, you know, they really need better analytics and help to find organizations that are aligned with their mission, but also people to help amplify that. And so we help nonprofits and for-profit organizations understand where the synergies are in mission, sort of an impact, and then identify and align social media influencers on all of the platforms that are aligned with those missions and their audiences and sort of build this like triumvirate of social impact. Just that's what I got in my head. There's a triangle. It's nonprofit, the brand and influencers. Because like sometimes, you know, I'm a lady of a certain age. So when you're like influencer, I'm like oh, influencer, you know, and like yeah. that name, even the word influence, yeah. I think it's gets a bad rap because it does that can signal like, oh, it's something disingenuous, you know, right. people touting things for money, you know, that, sure. and their lack of integrity around around those relationships. Yeah, totally. And a lot of what we do and have been doing consistently is around education because I agree like the first like knee-jerk reaction when somebody says influencer like oh well well, cool Kim Kardashian or Kylie Jenner like we'll just like get them and they're gonna like you know push something right and are the influencers yes they are celebrities and they do have influence on social media but we look at it more of like everybody who is on a social media platform and by that that could be TikTok that could be Instagram that could be LinkedIn everybody has some level of influence I have a hundred followers on Instagram. And if I recommend a movie that I just saw or a book I just read, it is very likely that some of the hundred of people that follow me will probably go buy that book or go read it or go to the movie or whatever. That is, that's influence in some regard. So everybody has influential power and you probably know this better than anybody given sort of your focus around, you know, influential marketing or messaging and, and building that. Right. So that's really like what we're really focused on is how do we help, you know, build relationships that then start to tier community around influence. So that could be somebody who has a thousand followers in St. Louis that is really passionate about the environment. And you start there, right? And you work with them to figure out how can you partner on messaging and integrations and interactions. And maybe there is a a local sponsor that would be really thrilled if this local influencer with a thousand followers promoted the pizza parlor because the pizza parlor also you know, donates, you know, money or has reduced their carbon footprint, whatever it is, right? So you can start building these synergistic partnerships around influence that don't need to be Kim Kardashian at the beginning, right? They can be very small. And then you can start tearing up these and adding these up to where a thousand becomes 2000, 2000 becomes 10,000, right? And so 
that's kind of what we're talking about in terms of the education and what influencer marketing is or what influencers are. It's really about identifying synergies to then begin community building and be able to better tell your story collectively across social media. And I feel like we do that already. This isn't like, you know, you're all, you're, oh, I mean, we're doing that on a, you know, like with companies, you know, sponsorships and like, oh, let's get this. And that like, you can see, or you're, you're connecting. I mean, I would just think about like, I do that in my own life. Hey, my friend who has a, he makes like these custom cutting boards and he has this, it's called the, the grazing board. And it's a little shop. I'm like, oh, you should talk to this person who makes, you know, like artisanal cheeses. <laughs> like, I mean, we're all, you know what I mean? Like you guys would be perfect. Yeah. You guys should like, like that's kind of part of life. Like, oh my gosh, you guys would like, and then, hey, maybe the three of us, now there's something we could do together. Yeah. So I think that's already happening. We're just happening on this space. And when you, you like, and what I'm hearing you say is, you know, it's not, yes, of course there's big celebrities, but they're just influential people who you share the same mission, the same, you know, what I would call philanthropic, philanthropic heart. You share that and they don't necessarily have to be super, superstars they do have a following, they have some influence. And then said, like, we all do, right? They, but we're just identifying a people with a following that could then help, right? Like create a partnership where we work together to expand yeah. on a message. 100%, 100%. And I think that people will get stuck on thinking, okay, well, like I have no idea what influencer marketing is. And they get stuck on like the tactical things around this type of execution. And I always try to just take a step back and you probably do something similar. And it's like, it's really about storytelling and community building always. Right. So how you tell stories, your, your story or your story about your mission and how you build community that has to evolve. Right. It has to change about it, depending on the partnerships you're seeking and the medium that you're communicating it on. Right. It's like, you can't have the same story. You can't tell the same story and had the same community that you had 20 years ago, right? And yes. we showed that in COVID, right? Like in COVID, it made everybody expand who they're telling the story to, what the story is, where they're telling it. And we saw a ton of wins, right? right. And so that's really philosophically, right? There's a lot of mechanical and tactical things that we help do because we have specialization in it. But really what we just try to get people to do and understand is like, it's really the core of it is storytelling and community building. And if you if we can't get past that, then we got to focus on figuring out how to tell better stories and how to build community and, around and what a, you're doing. And adapting and you the story to whatever's like, right? So even I, you and I opened this conversation with how our work yeah. shifted because, I mean, you know, and it's not the tactical of how we deliver the business. It's like, oh, wait, this is an opportunity to, you know, build community in a new way. My friend, Amy Fazio, that's her expertise. She helps nonprofits build community. And she says, mm -hmm. people come for the cause, they stay for the community. And I'm not sure we realize how important it is to give people a sense of belonging to something greater mm -hmm. than themselves. Not just yeah. your relationship to the organization, but your relationship to like that you feel a part of a community of like-minded people who share like your philanthropic heart. And you can yeah. do that in a lot of ways. And what I'm hearing is this is just this your way of doing that. Right. Like how you're yep. a specialty of how to do that. And that's an online community. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of the evolution of where things need to I not necessarily need to go, but expand into. Is because right. we're obviously, you know, philosophically, we sort of have like these three tenets. I'm writing a book and it sort of outlines these pieces around what we've learned in Kaleidoscope. But the three tenets are social partnerships and human. 
And so if we expand into where things are going, right, we need to be better socially, both online and in person. We need to build better partnerships. That's not just not corporate partnerships. That's just life partnerships, mm-hmm. other nonprofits, other people who can really help and leverage your cause and your community. And then obviously the human aspect, what you just outlined, right, is like people come for the cause, but they stay for the community. And so we need to understand the human elements of all of that and figure out how do we address those from a high level around all of those pieces. So yeah, 100%. All right. I'd love for you to give like an example, like a story of how this works, just to give an illustration. Yeah. So we really pride ourselves on two pieces, at least initially. Now we're really expanding into a bunch of different other things, but is the marketing and the measurement of that, right? So understanding who to target and and how to target them on the marketing side, and then measuring all that. Like, was it effective? Did it return an investment for the brand? Did it return an impact for the nonprofit? And so my favorite story about this was actually like in the early days of, of COVID when we had partnered with a very large national organization that everybody would probably know if you said it. They've been around for over 100 years. They've never once actually measured any of their event or marketing initiatives in the way that we do. And so, you know, their their initial focus was how do we build a digital event that brings in local celebrities to do a talent show? And so sort of step one was actually identifying influencers that could help promote that, right? So we sort of found influencers that aligned with the types of celebrities that, that were doing the talent show. It happened to be sports themed. You know, some of the local people who were, you know, synergistic or shared a, a philanthropic heart with them. And so we identified and found those influencers and then we deployed them across sort of social media. And then what we did is we measured everything, right? And so we not only measured, you know, how effective those partners were at driving marketing outcomes, reach, awareness, clicks, that kind of stuff. But also like, did those partners actually drive signups and donations and some of the other main KPIs that we really wanted to find? And so at the beginning of this exercise, we sort of thought like, oh, well, influencers will be nice, but really our core driver of this whole entire thing is going to be our email list. Our email list is 50,000 people. It's our, been our gold. It's always our gold. We're going to rely on that. So we've deployed email and influencer marketing at the same time. And side by side, we saw really quickly that the influencers not only drove the most engagement compared to like email marketing, but it also drove the most results. And we, then we began to drill down into those results and we found that Instagram was the best platform. And then when we posted on certain days and used certain types of images and certain types of text, it actually drove better performance. And so we used that to optimize you know, who we worked with and who we worked with more and found other partners that looked like those influencer partners, reduced some of the other marketing pieces that weren't working. And so ultimately, at the end of the day, we were able to reduce their cost ratio to like 9% for their event. And, you know, almost 2x what their donation goal was. And so that's like an illustration of why it's important to test new things, but also measure them and and optimize them to where the best, most results are. And that's the beauty of digital marketing, social media, as you can measure, right? You're able to take a look at that. What, like, say I'm an executive director, CEO of, you know, mid-sized nonprofit. And I was like, I would love to have, you know, this sounds awesome. How do I even find an influencer? Like, how do you even do that? Yeah. Like, what am so, I looking for? For sure. So we've, I mean, obviously we've built some technology to help us sort of like filter and search, search and, and we have our process there, but just off the shelf, there are things you can use like a TikTok or an Instagram, or even I think a Facebook too, and YouTube, all of them. You can search for keywords that are relevant to your organization. So if it's a family adoption organization, or if it's an environmental organization, 
There are obviously keywords, there are hashtags, there are things that are used in your specific sector or vertical as a nonprofit that you can use to search and sort top accounts, top posts, those sorts of things, right? And so that's typically like, in terms of step one, that's just sort of like identify what those keywords are and do those searches, right? And then from there, you can really start like identifying influencers that are have posts or that have been aligned with things that you've talked about or things that are synergistic, right? With what you were trying to do, sort of look at those types of maybe, lock, you know, note who those people are, what their following is, that sort of thing. And then really dive into the, you know, the top, maybe you've identified 10 or 15 influencers that have done posts about sustainability and, you know, uh, have a following of, you know, 50,000 or 100,000 or even 1,000 or 5,000, whatever the case may be. Note those down, really take a deep, maybe deep look at the three or four top ones that you really want to do some type of outreach for and really make sure that, you know, their content is actually aligned with what you want to do. Maybe they haven't talked about something that's a little out of left field. But once you sort of narrow that down, sort of reach out and say, you know, love what you do. Your content fits our audience. You know, we'd love to figure out ways to collaborate. We have this and this going on. Is this something you'd be interested in? And nine times out of 10, they, you know, they'll want to participate in some way or the other. Some influencers need to be paid and that's can be addressed if there's a marketing budget. Many don't and many just want to be an advocate, right? And so it's really just about making sure that you are reaching out to people, not because they have a big following, but because there is synergistic alignment with your mission. If there isn't that, then it doesn't work. There's no authenticity to what they're doing. There's no real openness to even work with you. And so it's all about identifying authentic connections to bring into your community. I love that. That's right. That that you're talking my language. Okay. So (laughs) I was just thinking about like on TikTok there, there could be on Instagram too, but I follow, like I would listen to these people on TikTok. Like my kids are adopted out of foster care. I work again, left out, left behind. See, (laughs) okay. So my, I rescue dogs. I rescue children, you know? Okay. So I am involved. I watch a lot of, of content creators on TikTok. And I love it because they're sharing about the, what is it like to be a foster parent? You know, how do you welcome a kid into your home? All the different things. It's really cool because it's demystifying something. And also like there are people who are adopted, who are talking about and having hard conversations around adoption, especially like mixed race adoption, which I Mm -hmm. think a smart nonprofit that like the uh, nonprofit that's a client of mine, Foster Adoptive Care Coalition, they could say, hey, we like what you're saying. And we like like having these challenging, con- I don't want to say hard conversations, but like, you know, we love these meaningful conversations you're ha- or having around adoption because these are the issues that we work on too. Let's partner together, right? And they're like, yeah, okay. But then what is the third piece? Because when we talked, you said there's three pieces. Is there like now a corporate thing that could come into play as well? And then can that be also a part of like, especially if people want to be paid? Is that where that comes from? Yeah. So we try to, and this is going to be a long shift, but we try to get nonprofits to think more like a media company because they okay. have, they are, right? right? They have a platform that people want to know about and to listen to, right? So, and they have a reach in a, and in a mission that is essentially like their IP, like what they do and how they do it is unique to them and people want to be participatory of it, right? And so, yeah, in terms of, and when you think like that, then you can kind of market your platform in that way to potential corporate partners. And ultimately, if corporate partners can subsidize or cover costs when they're marketing, 
that's sort of, again, like the lovely trio of things there, right? right? So if you can package, let's say, an initiative or a tentpole event, I think November is Adoption Awareness Month, right? Yes. So you can you can connect Adoption Awareness Month with three to five influencers and go to a partner that is very active in that space and by partner, maybe a corporate partner and say, hey, look, we're doing a, an event and we've identified these influencers. We'd love to do an activation that includes your your brand or your company. This is sort of what an activation looks like. And that way that could cover the marketing costs for that initiative, right? Right. And essentially and essentially do that. It's funny that you bring that sector up I and mean, we've done a lot of work in adoption and foster care with influencers. And it's by far one of the most, I think, productive and efficient types of causes that that drive a ton of performance across the wow. board with influencers because it is because to your point, social media has sort of demystified the adoption journey and what foster care is and how adoption works and what adoption looks like and what new families look like and those sorts of things. So it's been really a, a great medium for connecting nonprofit causes in this particular sector and influencers. So it's been a fun to learn about yeah. it because I had no idea, but also really, really rewarding to connect these causes with these influencers and do all the great work. I see a lot of people like I, I like watch people talk about someone's caring for their dad with Alzheimer's, you know, and um, and they're just telling their story or, you know, someone's fostering the dog and they're going on the journey of the when they foster the dog, like, you know, like there's so many stories that people are telling. Right. And so the opportunity to connect with somebody like that to share the story. I think that's really important. Now, one of the things that you talked about was kind of like, we can also look at this geographically, right? We can look at like, like say I am Foster Adoptive Care Coalition. Like I only work in the St. Louis metro area. There's certain boundaries to where I can work. So it doesn't, I mean, may not make sense for me to work with somebody in another area. And I could also possibly identify people in my area, correct? So I can work, I can do this in a limited geographic way. Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, you will see varying levels of effectiveness depending on maybe the cause or the geography. I mean, obviously, either that happens just in marketing, like the more narrow you get, sort of the, the maybe the less levers you have, but there's still some effective levers to use. And so, yeah, you're definitely not limited to, you know, national pieces. I mean, they're obviously local food bloggers and local influencers sure. that do fitness or mental health or those sorts of things that you could definitely leverage that you could in any type of opportunity. I mean, we've worked with local and state governments that have initiatives that they are looking specifically for natives of their state or natives of their county or natives of, of populous cities and the influencer side. And obviously it's the internet. So, I mean, their, their audience is global, but you know, they have obviously a, a very focused uh, narrative or a focused content sort of strategy in the local areas. And so we can work with them to, to execute those sorts of pieces. So yeah, it's definitely not limited to yeah, just like, like national. Nick, now my mind is whirling here. Because <laughs> I was just thinking about an organization and in November they do this, like they do a, they work with homeless teenagers. So they do a sleep out thing, you know, where they're, mm -hmm. they're sleeping out and they invite like, you know, they invite people to Slay you sleep out for one night, right? And then you document your experience, and they partner with, a, you know, a company to do this, and just like corporate sponsors for this event. And then you can be looking at like, you know, influencers who are either, you know, taught like there's a lot of influencers that I that like 
who use their platform. Like they were formerly homeless and they talk about what it's like, you know what I mean? Like just connecting with those people. And like, I just feel like it's kind of keeping your ears and eyes open, you know, to who is around you to connect with those like-minded people. That's all it is really. You're just looking at in a different space and removing like the influencer stigma, the, you know, like, and just look at, Hey, these are people who've had these really meaningful, had or have these really meaningful lived experiences who are using it to educate. Let's work. Let's talk about it. 100%. I mean, alumni networks or alumni of missions or mission recipients, right? So I'm an alumni of Make-A-Wish. I would probably argue that I have a, probably a pretty big influence when it comes to talking about the power of a wish and, and Make-A-Wish, right? So it's the same thing for any other type of alumni who's been part of a mission that can come back and talk about it, whether their audience is 10 or 10,000. It really, again, talk about bringing people in for a cause. It humanizes it. It provides some context to it. And it really allows people to understand sort of the throughput or the life cycle and value of what a mission does. So absolutely, that is a particular type of influencer that that people could be leveraging or, or partnering with to share their story and to build community. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so how do you work with clients specifically? What it would look like to work with Kaleidoscope? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we're now sort of sitting what we kind of call on the the intersection of media marketing and measurement and do a ton of different things. I mean, we're building course curriculum to connect nonprofits who are doing great work in DEI or environmental causes and connecting that course curriculum to corporate partners who are looking to onboard that type of piece. You know, we work with corporate partners and nonprofits all the time and sort of consulting or strategy around what their corporate social responsibility or impact strategies are, as well as leveraging marketing opportunities. So it's across the board. We sort of can kind of plug and play in any way, shape or form. We kind of joke internally that we're like the Deloitte of social good. So, I mean, that's, you know, no matter what, we try to provide value across the board, whether it's somebody in a small nonprofit who just needs help with some simple design work or social media help. We built some really cost-effective tools to help, you know, you know, leverage that piece or all the way up to, to large nonprofits who really need help in strategizing, executing, optimizing, and building out initiatives and programs around influencer marketing and marketing analytics and bringing partnerships in and, and those sorts of things. So full gamut across the board, we have solutions for everybody. Wow. That's, well, that's nice. I love that. <laughs> and I, I love, you know, cause I, run a course, like, you know, I have a, I teach this, run this, uh, facilitate this up level your influence course. And that's what I found to be really powerful is just t- packaging that knowledge and, and making it available to people. And because you figure out a system and then you want to share the system, right? Yep. Okay. One last thing is you talked a little bit, you mentioned like measuring and KPIs and all of that and key performance indicators. Those are KPIs. So again, what could I take away from this conversation as a nonprofit leader? What should I be tracking and why would, why does it matter that I track this stuff? Sure. So I think from a high level, why it matters to track is, you know, what you don't measure doesn't matter. Meaning that like, if you don't know where your dollars are going and how they're being used and, and the value of those dollars, then, then it's essentially just saying like, it doesn't matter to you, which obviously we know that not to be true, particularly around what the future of corporate partners look like. 
you know, corporate partners are more and more looking at like, how can I get a better understanding of like the impact of this sponsorship or this partnership? Like, did it, and I, we call it sort of double ROI return on investment for the corporate partner and return on impact for the nonprofit. So, you know, brands are going to want to know or corporations are going to want to know, did my brand get awareness and reach and clicks? And, you know, did people share? How many did that? What did that look like? Did my brand improve because I was doing this partnership, right? And then on the impact side, you know, did that partnership actually drive dollars, right? Cool. We landed Nick Lynch Co. And, you know, they were able to put together $50,000 to do a campaign, but we didn't really see much traffic to the website. We didn't see much donations and we allocated half of our team to that. Maybe we shouldn't work with Nick Lynch Co. next time, right? So understanding really... What partnerships are driving impact is crucial. What tactics are driving impact? Crucial. So that's really what we talk about and what we think about through analytics and particularly around marketing and social media. I mean, if you have the right partners and you can track what those partners are actually doing and really think about what you want them to achieve and measure against it, then you can start really formulating really strong tactical plans to help you get where you are, right? So another good example is maybe you've partnered with you know, several influencers in locally in your space and you want them to drive dollars. This is a donation campaign and you want them to drive donations. If you don't, and then at the end of the day, you know, again, you have five or 10 partners that have done this and you've raised your goal. That's great. But if you don't know which partners drove that and the characteristics of those partnerships, and then you hope to just repeat it next year and hope it happens, well, it's going to be a 50-50 shot because that might not necessarily be what worked last year didn't work this year. And the way the you know, some partners are doing things differently. So it's really, again, we try to help correlate tactics to outcomes. We want to know what you did and did it work, right? And we want to make sure that whatever did work, we continue to do and improve and scale. And whatever didn't work, we cut out and we try something new. That is program evaluation 101. So everybody who says they know how to do that. See this, you already know how to do this. I am working with Someone right now who is does program evaluation for nonprofits, and she's actually doing an evaluation of my course again to make sure like all my my tactics and strategies, like what I'm teaching, is aligned to an outcome, right? Or hey, but maybe there's an outcome that I'm not that I'm not um, accounting for, or there's something that I'm doing and I'm not. I, oh wait, hey, there's another outcome I didn't even have. So it's been really cool to watch that, right? And I mean, it, I think it's just worth their time and investment to have that level of understanding of is what I'm doing working, right? And if 100%. it's not, I can yeah. release it. And if it is, let's keep going and looking at are yeah. the strategies we're working on creating the outcomes that we want. And that's something we all deal with every day. And it's just like, I just want to kind of normalize that a little bit. It's the same thing. You already know yeah. how to do this. You're just doing it in the yeah. digital space. Right. Yeah. And what you said, right? I mean, it's not, you know, there are outcomes that maybe you haven't thought of. And a lot of times people think about on the nonprofit side in particular, outcomes are, well, did we raise our goal? Right. Did we raise money? And that's not the only outcome that you necessarily want, right? You have to build community. You have to build your story. You have, there's so many other steps that you have to do before people even want to donate. Right. So some of those outcomes could be, you know, followers on social media, increasing engagement on social media increase of traffic to your website, increase of, you know, volunteers to your work, whatever it is, right? There are so many different outcomes that can be made that you want to just understand. And it's not just dollars. So I think it's important when you're doing these types of things and doing an evaluation, really take a step back and think through like, what are all the outcomes 
that would be valuable to my organization, not just money. Right, right, exactly. All right, is there anything else you'll want to share? We're kind of getting to the end of time. There's anything else you'd like to share with the people? I think this, that thank you for having me and appreciate you taking the time to let me share, you know, what we've done so far on, on the Kaleidoscope side. I mean, I'm very excited to see how things continue to progress into 2023. I sort of jokingly say that like, it's never been a better time to actually be a nonprofit because there are so many tools and resources yeah. and partners and people and everything that it takes to make things go. Everybody wants to help. doesn't make it easier by any means, but there's so yeah. much opportunity there doesn't you know wasn't there before and, and new things that can scale faster and quicker and better than it ever before so it's an amazing time to be out there and we just hope Aww. that we can continue to contribute everything we can do to help that is good to remember i mean i've been around since the you know spray and pray years you know you didn't you didn't know, <laughs> right? like you just put it you didn't know you couldn't track it you didn't know who opened that newsletter you, know, you didn't know what articles they read and we forget how much opportunity there is so thank you for reminding me okay one more question it's my last question so you're in LA, I'm in St. Louis. If I'm ever in LA or if you're ever in St. Louis and we wind up at a karaoke bar, cause I love karaoke. It's my life force. What is your go-to karaoke number and why? Oh, uh, Montel Jordan. This is how we do it. <laughs> I don't, and I don't even think that even requires like a why. I mean, it's, this is how we do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like Yes. This is how we do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And everyone gets up and oh, dance yeah. and sings along and. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. That's a good one. I have not heard that one before. That's awesome. Oh, uh, that's my go to every time. I mean, my, <laughs> the, my shower voice nails that every time. <laughs> All right, Nick. Well, thank you so much. Nick Lynch, a CEO and co founder of Kaleidoscope. And, well, how can people get a hold of you? You just want to give them a quick way yeah, to get in touch? For sure. So, kaleidoscope.io, C O L L I D E, scope.io. And you can email me, Nick, at kaleidoscope.io. And we'll put all your social media handles in the show notes. So you can go find Nick on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and see what other good work you're up to. Connect if you want some of their support. Thanks again for being here. Amazing. Thank you for having me. Appreciate all right. It. That is it for this episode of The Influential Nonprofit. If you want to learn more about growing your influence, you can go to theinfluentialnonprofit.com, throw on your email and get a bunch of goodies that I created. And a lot of the, some of the principles and theories that I talk about, about growing your influence meeting. And this is my definition of influence, Nick, getting people you have no authority over to do what you want them to do, but in a way that they're, that the way they're excited to do it, they want to come with you. They want to be a part of what you have, and you can absolutely do that. So if you haven't gotten that, grab that. And if you are a nonprofit leader who has a great story to share or you're a nonprofit provider of services that you have a great story to share. I'm totally open to sharing your story on this podcast. And you can just email me at marianne at courageouscommunication.com. And I'll see you next time on The Influential Nonprofit. Thanks for listening to The Influential Nonprofit with your host, Marianne Dirsch. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Also, check out theinfluentialnonprofit.com for more resources on growing your influence so you can raise more and do more.